Coming up on this episode, Serena Bowen joins us to talk about her brand new book, Roommate. Welcome to episode 281 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad you could join us for another episode of the show. Before we jump into this week's author interview, a quick reminder that Big Gay Fiction Live is coming up on Thursday, January 14th, just a few days away. We'll be talking about the new shared universe, The Magic Emporium, with some of the series authors, which includes Kim Fielding, Elliot Grayson, Jackie James, Reese Lawless, and Megan Maslow. You're definitely going to want to check it out. We'll be on Facebook Live on Thursday, January 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and 12 a.m. UK. We don't usually give UK times because it's so ridiculously early in the morning over there. But in this case, Reese will be awake and talking to us about the Magic Emporium. And of course, he's based in the UK. Maybe wake up and cheer him on as he is on the show talking to us in the middle of the night. So looking forward to hosting those authors coming up on Thursday. Now, recently, I got to speak with Serena Bowen. And I think it's a well-known fact that I adore her hockey books. And in this case, I get to talk to her about her brand new book, Roommate, which is not a hockey book at all. It's actually an expansion of her True North series and is the jumping off point for a brand new MM romance series that is part of the True North universe called Vino and Veritas. So we're going to get all the details about this amazing book along with the new series right now. Serena, welcome back to the podcast. It's wonderful to have you here as we kick off 2021. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to talk to you again, always. And oh my gosh, you started my year with such a terrific book with Roommate. I can't even tell you. I mean, so, so good. Tell everyone in your words what they're going to get in this incredible book. Well, okay, so Roommate is a character from a long-running series of mine called True North. It takes place in Vermont. All the other books are male-female couples, although I can't say that they're all straight because there are a lot of bisexuals in my work. But this character, Kieran Shipley, is a cousin of the Shipley family that everybody has loved for since 2016. And Kieran's always been a little bit of a tough nut to crack. You know, he just doesn't give it all away. But I never say why. And I knew that Kieran was a gay man, but it doesn't, it, there's a couple hints here and there. But it took me a long time to get the story for Kieran exactly right, because I knew that he was holding a lot back. I just didn't know exactly what. And this isn't a book where the character's sexuality is the big secret. It really isn't. He has a lot of secrets and I wanted to do right by his secrets and his family trauma so that I could deliver a book that was worth this character. And that's why it took me years because, you know, I, if in the numbering of True North, this would be, if I numbered it into the series, this would be like book four and a half. <laughs> and I'm about to write book eight so I waited for him until I could give him the story he deserved that was a really rich, you know, character-driven book of why we don't know Kieran Shipley as well as everyone thinks they do. 
And it was really delightful how you kept unfolding the layers of Kiernan as the book went through. And you did the same thing with Roderick, too, our other hero in the book, that they were not what we saw in the first pages, that it just kind of kept rolling out. Well, thank you. Whenever you are delivering a secret in fiction, it's it's difficult. Like the the right impulse usually is to give it all up at the beginning because plots where the character just won't tell you what's wrong are frustrating and and you don't want to do that to your reader. So I had to build a plot where Kieran just isn't ready to say out loud this burden he's been carrying until later in the book. And then, you know, he he loves Roderick and he, you know, it starts out as an enemies to lovers almost because he's so afraid that this man knows his some of his secrets and that he's like a dam. If if one secret bursts out, the rest is just going to come tumbling. And so he, he just holds very tightly to the position of not being able to tell you what's wrong. And then, you know, but sort of love wears him down. And in the end, it's like fighting for that is, is what saves him. That's a great way to put it too, that he is in fact saved, but he saves Roderick too, in a lot of ways. It's these two truly make each other better as they go. Well, that's what you want when you're writing a romance is, and, and I have, it's funny, like I have an actual checklist of things that make a romance finished. You have to show how these characters uniquely need each other and, you know, no one else will do. And that is the guts of it. Like that is the hard thing. And that's why it took me so long to get this book right because I needed that those puzzle pieces to really fit like that. And it turns out that Roderick is easier to save. He, he is escaping a bad relationship and he is broke, which is, uh, you know, the age old problem. So he's easier to save because he's ready to move on. Like he's ready to stop making all the same mistakes. And, you know, for, for lack of, of gas money and a, a warm place to stay, like what's holding him back from fully being himself is really smaller than Kieran's problem. So mm-hmm. it's fun to watch Kieran save Roderick, but Roderick needs less ultimately. True. Very true. And This book also starts a new branch, let's say, from True North, because you're starting Vino and Veritas here, uh, a whole new series. What can we expect in that? Well, in this year, I'm launching uh, a world based on True North. And what that means is I've invited other authors to write in my world because Vermont is such a rich and interesting place in the world and I can't write all the stories. So Vino and Veritas is an inclusive wine bar and bookstore in Burlington. It's completely fictional. And it came about, I was having a conversation about my world with an author and I told her there aren't any gay bars in Vermont. And it, I, and it was true until just a couple of years ago. Like I had missed the fact that there is one now because it's two hours away from me. But, and she said, really, why? And it made me start to think about why. And it's partly, I mean, I would never say that an inclusive space was unnecessary because of course that's just wrong. But Vermont is a 
pretty lovely place to be a lot of different people. And, you know, it's just Burlington is like to the left of Bernie Sanders already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but so then it made me think like, what kind of space should this be? And, and I talked about this with Annabeth Albert and with Garrett Lee, who are two writers of LGBTQ romance that I respect so much. And, and together we sort of shaped how this wine bar bookstore this place would be and, and why. So the first book in the Vino and Veritas series is called Featherbed and it's by Annabeth Elbert and it's delightful. When we were talking about what kind of a book it would be, she said it's like a little bit like a Hallmark movie gay romance in this case. And, but, you know, with a little gritty undertone because that's kind of the True North series. It's like the lovely things about Vermont, but also the grit. I mean, come on, book two is about a heroin addict. So it's not all like sun and roses in True North. So she wrote this lovely book called Featherbed. And the title refers to the fact that the main character is a chicken farmer. <laughs> and we did this great cover with a strong guy, you know, like it's a romance cover, strong guy, but he has a baby chick on his arm. It's, <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> And then Garrett Lee's book is called Heartscape and it's a stranger from out of town and he comes to save the, the guy who runs the wine shop side or the wine bar, sorry, it's not a shop, it's a bar of, of the establishment. And it is a wonderful book and Garrett Lee's writing is just so terrific. So I can't wait to launch those and they're coming in March. Oh, they both come in March. Yes. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I like how you set it in a wine bar bookstore and not the typical coffee bar bookstore that we see. It gives it that little upscale, more adult feel, right? Because, you know, it's a wine bar. <laughs> yeah. And that seemed really, you know, just, oh, I want to go there. And I'm kind of sad that it's not like maybe a <laughs> real place or something that I could go to. Well, I did that intentionally. Well, first of all, I'm not afraid to write you a coffee shop romance. I've got lots of those. <laughs> but the wine bar sort of elevated what I wanted this to be. Like I wasn't going for like trashy pickup joint bar, except as we got into talking about what this space was, one author said, well, I don't want to call it a gay bar because that's not inclusive enough. And, and I said, you're right. It's not. So this is, you know, a, a different feather, this place. It's an inclusive bookstore and the wine bar next door is a, is a wonderful safe space, but, but the lens of each book will differ. So to some of the guys who visit this place, it is a gay bar, you know, it's, it's like, it's where they meet their hookup and, and that's how life happens. But to others, it, it performs a totally different function and every character is allowed to have his or her own lens on what this space means to them. And that's how we give it, you know, the full dimension that it deserves. And there are also, I should mention, two FF novels coming in the Vino and Veritas world. I can't wait. I mean, 2021 is going to be so cool with these books rolling out. And on the feather bed cover, my mind flashes to good boy with the guy and the dog. Well, <laughs> let's, let's face it. Like whenever you can put 
a hot human and an animal together on a cover. Like that's just gold. <laughs> and I had, so Vino and Veritas, by the time all the books roll out is like 18 titles. It's really a lot of books. And so I had my cover designer, like the poor lady, you know, <laughs> she, she and I were looking at mock-ups and thinking, how are we going to keep this interesting? You know, and props are one way that you can keep it interesting. So the baby chick, when I saw how she had executed it, I was like, you are a genius. And then the bookstore made us want to put books in a lot of places too, just to keep up that theme. And we couldn't find the right book cover once. And she was like, you know, we're just going to baby chick his ass. <laughs> so she put the, she put the book in there. We, we had a, a little bit of Photoshop use here, but, but it, it came out really well. And I can't wait for readers to see all these covers that we worked so hard on. And I can't wait for those two FF novels as well. One of them uses a character from earlier in the True North series. And it's a character who I had not thought of as matching with a woman. I, my imagination just didn't go there. So when I read the first line of her proposal, I just let out a little shriek of joy because I saw what she saw and how that character ending up with a girlfriend was just perfect. So that's what you get for expanding your world to accommodate other authors is you get their perspectives that you did not see. And it just makes it a richer place. Did you envision at some point that True North could go this direction? Was that even in your wildest imagination with that series? Or did it just kind of evolve to where you knew that it was time to open it up to these other voices? I really had always thought about it in the back of my head, but it's quite terrifying to let other people play in your sandbox in some ways. So I had to sort of get over myself a little bit in order to make it happen. And, you know, it's possible that people will put words in my character's mouths that I don't love and I will survive the experience, you know, but everyone's interpretation is, you know, is interesting. And those facets are interesting to me. And in a way I walled off the parts that people were allowed to write, but not because I didn't want them to tamper. It's because I needed to like clear a path where I could keep going in this space without tripping over what they'd written. So that's why Vino and Veritas overlaps a little bit with Roommate, but in a way that like the origin story of Vino and Veritas is told by people who aren't me. And I was bringing in and I checked with them, like I'd sent them that scene and said, what do you see here? And did I get your guy right? And, you know, to make sure that that was all going to work out. And similarly, there's a series in the True North world called Speakeasy for a bar that gets started by some characters in this book, but isn't like a main setting. So, so that, you know, that was given to those authors as their own place to be. So, you know, it's, it's tricky and it's con been consuming a lot of time to read all of these outlines and proposals and to make sure, you know, we had over 200 inquiries to write for the world before I stopped counting. And we're going to end up with around 45 titles and it was hard to say no. Like I, I definitely didn't do this project because I like to say no to other writers. Like that certainly was not 
a good time. But of course, I, I just, I had more that I could handle. So here we are. 45 titles is incredible. Did you have in your head how many you wanted there to be or what a cap would be? Or is it just, they just kept coming in and you kept liking them? I will say for sure that my ideal number was less than 45, but I got so much talent, especially in the Vino and Veritas series, that that's the longest series easily by, by double, because there were so many voices that came in that were so unlike mine. And, you know, somebody's writing a New Zealand transplant in a veterinary practice. Like I'm never writing that book because I can't do a New Zealander any justice. And I've never, I haven't been to a veterinary practice in 35 years. So I was like, well, we got to have that one. And you see how this goes, right? (laughs) (laughs) What's your role in the series? You mentioned going over the proposals, going over the outlines. Do you read every book before it goes out? Or do you trust after that outline standpoint or... Well, I hired a lovely editor named Jane Hartel, who, whose job it is to read and negotiate those outlines. It's, it's a contractual point, the outline, so that Jane can look at it mostly and make sure that there aren't conflicts with something else that's happening in the series. So we went proposal, outline, and then I don't have time to read all the books. Like I've been able to read the early ones but, but then there are some deadline dates that like I'm going to be get an avalanche of books, even though they won't all come out at the same time. And I will not be able to read them all. But of course, I know what they're all about. I know who the characters are. I know what's going to happen. And then we had to do some shuffling. Like in one series, we took what we liked the best and we we're like, oh, look at all the single dads. <laughs> 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 you know, you, there was some trope pile up. And one of the series is for college hockey. And again, we got some great books coming in college hockey. But when you work with college age characters, you get a trope pile up there too. So we had to say no to some books just because we had, you know, teammates, little sister already, you know? So in order to construct a series that was unique, we had to let some things go. Does somebody have the what might be a daunting job of the Master Story Universe Bible <laughs> to know who all these people are? You know, that proved absolutely to be the hardest part. I definitely provided material about that, but it's actually quite difficult to, to figure out where to put that to make it accessible. And we do have in the group all the time, like, where was the map? You know, because it's hard... <laughs> There's not one space. Like I tried to do a lot of it on Facebook because people visit Facebook anyway. And then I tried, and some of it's in a Google folder and it just, it was surprisingly hard to figure out how to index that stuff. And I have a a very complete Bible of the True North series itself, like what's in there, but it's so big that that made it hard to find. So that was the biggest challenge for absolutely for sure. Well, I did also take Annabeth Elbert's book and Garrett Lee's book and give them to the other people writing in the Vino and Veritas series immediately, like and early, just to prevent some of the potential, you know, disruptive things so that other people would be able to read those books and then 
filter it down the line. And for example, in the coffee shop series, the authors have done a really good job of talking to one another. And we have like a floor plan. So the office doesn't switch floors or, you know, <laughs> from book to book. But I'm sure there will be errors. I mean, there just will be. And I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, you know, that'll be a bad day when a reader writes in and says, hey, guess what? You guys got this wrong. But but in order to do this, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What was your impetus to pull the trigger on this project? Because you mentioned it's kind of daunting to decide to open up the world and start working with so many other people. What made you say yes? You know, COVID-19, <laughs> it was just, I, you know, trapped at home like everyone else. And I'm like, okay, now, you know, now's the right moment. And I don't know, maybe, you know, that's a little crazy, but but that's kind of what happened. And it has complicated my life, but in a good way. So we'll see. It's, it's good to be able to look back and say something good came out of the year and the situation we were all thrown into. So, yeah, for authors in our position where we kind of work from home anyway, you know, I, I feel like a lot of my colleagues and I have a certain amount of survivor's guilt because in March, when everything started to shut down and there were these horrible unemployment numbers in the economy, and I thought, oh, this is it. Like, nobody is going to buy my books anymore and it's over, right? It's, it ends here. But that is not what happened. And I, you know, I had a very normal 2020 in terms of business. And I did want to do a certain amount of investing in people. So in 2020, I spent like half as much money on advertising and I spent a lot more money on people. So I did things like I hired narrators to do audio that I wasn't going to otherwise make. And I hired people to make graphics, whereas I would have done it myself before. And I hired an editor for the True North series, who's the person, Jane, who does, does those things. I hired translators and projects that I didn't think I was going to do. And I just thought like, this is the right moment to invest in people instead of Facebook. And, you know, that was my idea. And I thought, well, okay, I, how much am I willing to lose? I'm willing to gamble, let's just say a certain number of thousands of dollars on this idea that investing in people is the right thing to do right now. And I'm pretty sure it worked. Like I'm, you could find a couple of spots where I didn't maybe recoup on this bonkers audio. I did a duet style that, you know, cost a lot to, to edit, but that's okay. You know, everything else worked, so it's fine. That's terrific. And it, it really is great that you were able to do that and invest in people and make their 2020 a little bit better, hopefully. Well, by a small degree, because of course, every investment is small, but together they add up to, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but it was just, it felt like the right time to try that. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did. Excellent. I want to circle back to roommate. Okay. Cause there's a couple things that really struck me in the book. And one of them is how you approached religion and faith, which we really don't see very much of, at least in the romances that I read. It's not really on page at all, even if it's part of the character's makeup. You've got Father Peters, who is a longtime member from your True North cast. Mm -hmm. He really steps in and 
without giving anything away, he's really a good person for Roderick to end up interacting with. Where did he come from? Because I want more people in the world like him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Father Peters is a Catholic priest. And I wrote him for the first time in 2016 in a book called Steadfast. And he happens to give good counsel to, to somebody who's battling his addiction. And I did this specifically because as a person, my own history has a great deal of discomfort with organized religion, like all kinds of organized religion. And I, you know, fight that basically. And I think it's pretty evident in my other books that organized religion is, has not been kind to me over time. So I sort of forced myself to write this lovely Catholic priest into the series. He's very much a fan of pastry. <laughs> and has been since the early part of the series. So it, it naturally made sense to me that he would also like Roderick's baking. Roderick is a, bake, a bread baker mostly, but he does a lot of baking. He, he walked back into this book in a bigger role than he has had lately. And it ended up being some of my favorite scenes in the whole book where this Catholic priest counseling this out gay man on, you know, on what to do. And the, the freshness, the unexpected relationship between those two just is one of the things that worked. Sometimes you just stumble into the right character in the right spot. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, it was so good. Now you said that he counsels him in a good way. So it's not going to be a spoiler to say, you know, when he turned up at the door, I'm like, oh no, this is not going to be good. And then it was, wonderful so yeah I'm, I'm so glad he's there and you know if he could show up in more <laughs> that would be awesome we'll see how that plays out with other other authors coming in later right well yeah and the truth is i i don't have in my life enough experience to know whether there are father peters out there in the catholic church especially i, I really don't know i would like to think there are but, but that's kind of the author's job is to be the puppet master um, mm -hmm. and to, sh to show what's possible. Like it's a lovely job. I, you know, I love my job. I get to say it's a privilege to, to create a world where father Peters exists. And I'm happy that I did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the other thing that I really liked in this book is you've got two characters who've got a lot of baggage. They've got a lot of past. They've got past with each other. And you somehow balance this tightrope where there's gravity to both of their situations and it's not weighed down in a ton of angst either. And how, how did you do that? <laughs> you know what, Jeff? I have to say, I think that is my superpower. I think all my books do this. I mean, the first book I ever sold a lot of copies of is about a woman who is paralyzed, you know, from the waist down. And that is not a dark and heavy book. I mean, some people don't read it because of her situation, but, you know, it's kind of a fun read. And that is just, that is just how writing works for me, you know all of my books kind of walk that line. Like if there was no gravitas at all, like if there's nothing at stake, then, 
you know, that's really hard. You know, it's hard to do, but I, I actually have real trouble getting down in the dirt too much with, you know, it's depressing to write deeply angsty books all the time. And I don't think I would enjoy my life to the fullest if I were, you know, writing like terrible, terrible things all the time. So, so I'm always walking that line. I have had books where, you know, that if this, if you're writing a rom-com and the stakes aren't super high because it's a rom-com, then (laughs) that's actually hard. Like, it's hard work. In fact, I remember this moment when L. Kennedy and I were plotting Good Boy, which is Blake Riley's book. Some readers know him from, he's a secondary character in Us, and then he got his own book. And we sort of made a map of this, and we said, oh, look, both of these characters come from wonderful, high-functioning families. And we're like, <laughs> you know, we're so screwed. Like, <laughs> And so he got a crazy ex you know, but yeah. So, so walking that line is, that's, that's what I do. And the way the 2020 has been, this was such the book I needed to like, you know, really solid, good story that had stakes that also wasn't, Oh my God, (laughs) I can't go another moment. That's like, this was like a a ray of sunshine really. Um, Not to mention you made me hungry, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Roderick might bake too well. <laughs> right. Well, if you think about when you write a book, then you have to go market it. You have to go tell people what it is so that they'll want to pick it up and read it. And if you write books where there's a lot of baggage, but it's also a little bit light and funny, that's a real choice you have to make when it comes time to write that book description. Like, am I going the angsty route here or or not? And that's how this book ended up. This book had like seven titles while I was writing it. And that's how I ended up at roommate because the roommate trope is so solid. And when you show that to a reader, it's like, oh, the roommate trope, then there's this thing to grab onto. So everybody knows what's coming kind of, you know, they're in this house together and ooh, things will happen. And so, you know, I could have gone any direction. I could have said, you know, deep, dark secret as the, as the headline family drama or, you know, funny guy makes cookies in inappropriate shapes, you know, (laughs) there was just, there was a lot to choose from. And I hope that people find what they're looking for when they do pick it up. I think they will. That's just, that's my own guess, just based on my experience. Thank you. What's something that you've read lately that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, recently I have enjoyed I'm sure everybody who comes on your podcast says this, but Heated Rivalry by Rachel Reed. I've been hearing good things about that one. It's high on my TBR. Yeah, that's a great book. And and also one of the great joys of my 2020 was the Bromance Book Club books. That is just a wonderful concept. And she has taken it in such wonderful and insightful places that, you know, I'm looking forward to book four very much. And I had the pleasure to interview Lisa K. Adams on my podcast, which is called Am Writing. So I got to ask her all those questions. So those would be two titles that I would definitely recommend. Fantastic. And I've been so happy to see that you've been doing podcasts since we first had you on the show 
way back in some of our early episodes that you've been doing some some podcasting and now have M Writing out there. Tell folks a little bit more about M Writing so they could check that out. M Writing is definitely for the writers of the world who are interested in writing all the things. We, I mean, we talk about pitching nonfiction. It was started by my two real world best friends, KJ Delantonia, who is a novelist and an essay writer, and Jessica Leahy, who is a nonfiction, narrative nonfiction writer, both super smart. And, and we talk about writing all the things and it's, you know, we have great guests and it's a really good time. And it's a wonderful excuse to talk to my two friends at least once a week. Very cool. Well, we'll, of course, we'll put that in our show notes, too. So if any of the writers in our audience want to check that out, or if any of the readers want to get a little peek behind the curtain of the writing world as well. So besides all the good stuff you've got coming in your True North series, what's coming from you in 2021? Well, Roommate is my January title. And in April, I have a hockey romance coming called The Bombshell. I guess I really like one word titles. And Bombshells is a new chapter in the Brooklyn Bruisers world since the, they now have a sister team. There's a women's team playing alongside them in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn will never be the same because now there's, <laughs> now there's women everywhere. And I'm really excited about this one. It's also a bit of a love triangle. So I'm waiting for people to throw tomatoes at me about that. But, you know, Sorry. I really am looking at 2021 as this is the year I write what I want. And maybe every year should be that year. But if you get too deeply in the groove of writing what people expect from you, then you have this weird echo chamber thing going on. And sometimes I have to just like trash the idea that people are listening and waiting for things and just, you know, find whatever that story is that is just uh, that I can't set down. So. Very cool. I look forward to seeing how you branch out as 2021 keeps going. What's the best way for everyone to keep up with you online and all of this stuff between your writing and your universe? Well, the best, best way is in my Facebook reader group, which is called Serendipity, S-A-R-I-N-D-I-P-I-T-Y, which is a silly word, but it works. And also at serenabowen.com. Fantastic. We'll link to that, all the books and the podcast that we talked about here in the show notes. Serena, thank you so much for coming and telling us about Roommate and for letting me start 2021 with such an awesome book. Well, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure as always. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at biggayfictionpodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we've discussed in this episode. And thanks again to Serena for joining us and talking about the new book and the brand new series. Now, since I recorded that interview, the covers have all been revealed for the first three books in the Vino and Veritas series. Her description of that featherbed cover was super cute with the idea of the, the big birdie guy with the baby chick on his arm. Now that I've seen it, I can say it is one of the most adorable things ever. And I can't wait to get into this series as it starts to release. All those books are now up for pre-order. And of course, those will be linked to in the show notes. 
All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Coming up this Thursday in episode 282, we've got lots of reviews about what Jeff and I have been reading recently. And in case you needed another reminder, I will be talking about how much I adored Roommate coming up on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big A Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner.